Hi, I'm Daisy Mack, and on today's episode of Spiritual Mixtape, the podcast, I have my dear old... Oh, I shouldn't say old, should I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting on now, to be fair. So am I. So am I. I'm right there with you, Gavin. This is my dear friend Gavin um, from Disciples, but has many iterations now. But when we worked together, he was in Disciples, which still exists. And that's how we came to know each other. There is so much to your story and so much to our combined crossing of paths that I am actually not sure where to start. I guess the thing to anchor in for anyone listening is when I talk about my very corporate job, I was at an agency where I really did work in an office more than nine to five perhaps eight in the morning to 10 at night and then at a show. And that was the period in which Gavin and I met and worked together. So Gavin knew me, well, Gavin knew a very different Daisy, um, very different version <laughs> of me, <laughs> who, uh, who worked hard, played hard, did all the things. And so did you, Gavin. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, and yeah, I think um, definitely partook in a in a little bit of partying. Sometimes still do, but life is about balance, right? <laughs> more balance. I think you should be out there more, having a good time whenever the feeling calls for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that that was definitely a fun time when we first met. Yeah, that was kind of like right at the beginning of when disciples started to kind of take off. So my life was starting to change. And you are one of the first people who kind of believed in us as a group um, and as a booking agent. I feel like you weren't you weren't even signed, were you? No, may, maybe. Yeah, I think it was just before. Yeah, there was. I remember there was like uh, Anton Partridge called me and was just like, "Everybody wants this act. Everybody wants this act. You should go for it." And of course, then the aggressive side came out. I was like, I'm going to go for this act. I'm going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and got you before, yeah, before you were signed. I mean, that was an incredible ride. That was an incredible ride, yeah. You kind of, you got involved just before we got signed. So before all of the sort of mechanics of the music industry started working. But I just remember it's like you, you really like took us on and believed in us. Our, our first show in Ibiza was, I think it was at Sankey's and we had the back room that you had managed to get us there, which we probably shouldn't have been, you know, able to have considering where, where our brand was at. You know, we nearly ended up getting like a, a Ibiza residency within the first year of our of, of Disciples and stuff. So, yeah, no, definitely very thankful for, for the belief that you had in us. It was it was very important part of my journey. Oh, thank you. So there's been a ton of big records. I know that we keep talking about the beginning, but they don't know is still one of, I still hear that in the gym. It's still a regular on my personal playlist, but I love hearing it still when I'm like out, out and about. And obviously we've already hinted at the fact that we're hitting our middle age. So it is now hearing it at the gym as opposed to in the club. But um, I love still hearing that record, but obviously I think people would know you from How Deep Is Your Love? Yeah. Before we get into the deep stuff, let's talk about like the music stuff and your records and and the fact that you're a producer. I mean, we understand it, but so many of the people I work with now have never touched the music industry. And when I'm talking about songwriters and splits, they're like, what? <laughs> That's how that works? <laughs> yeah, and it's, 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 it's quite, it's a little bit of a different world. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. So how, how deep is your love of that was back in, what, 2015? Um, it's funny because that whole period was quite actually, it, it all happened really quickly. So from when, uh, during that time when we first started working together with you, that I think was 2013, no, sorry, 2014. And then by 2015, we'd kind of grown from just being signed, just having sort of like, I beat that anthem type thing simmering to then going and having how deep is your love with Calvin Harris and that becoming like a global smash within one year. It, it was it was it was probably the craziest year year of my life to be honest. Um, but it was it was fun. It went from zero to you know America tours of Asia tours then and the whole lot all within the space of. A year, eighteen months, because I think it was a year after we released, and the six months of release, and it was kind of at the peak of like when "How Deep Is Your Love" happened with Calvin Harris, and we had that release that, as I said, became a, a global top ten record. Once that happened, and I kind of felt like I had achieved, in a way, like um, a goal or the goal that I had set out to achieve for ten years. It's really weird because. That type of song, for me, merges together everything that I wanted to do. It's like a little bit of underground and emotive stuff, but also taking that to where it can be actually a commercial hits. So when that happened, it was, that, that was quite a pivotal point in, in, in the journey in general because that made me start to think, oh, okay, actually, this is amazing that I'm here and I'm really like happy and appreciative of everything that's happening, but I don't feel any different. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you see, it was like happiness. I, I, you know, you work towards that point thinking that everything's going to change and all your insecurities are going to go. And then you get to that point and realize, oh, actually, I don't feel any different. Maybe there's something else to this, to this game. <laughs> oh, maybe there is. I mean, what is, how deep is your love on now? It's got to be into the billions of streams it is yes you're like i don't even count it anymore i don't count it it's it's just moving i think it just hit a billion actually Cal calvin uh posted about it uh, a month ago or something so i think it's just hit a billion on spotify i don't know about the rest of it and stuff but but yeah it's 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 mad it's, it's still still quite unbelievable to me how that how that track has sort of like stood the test of time and sort of grown over the last, I don't know, like six, eight years maybe it is since it came out. It's timeless. Let me tell you that it's timeless. Like they don't know, like all of your records, timeless, want to get into the gym as opposed to on the dance floor to them, but yeah, because I am old. But <laughs> <laughs> timeless, timeless records. I've definitely worked with artists who had that first rung of fame a bit younger and the thing that carried them through was ego so they still had all the same insecurities still doing feeling all the things that you were feeling but they managed to shield it with bravado and ego but I guess when you're older and you really worked for it you've probably had a couple of fails or a couple of knocks and you're aware of like not just it's not a golden ticket though because Music is, it's so tough, even if you're the most gifted songwriter, like you're humbled from a very 
a very early onset. And it's actually quite rare to have those acts that don't have that that just get to run with their ego and like be young in the industry that don't get that humbled moment. So when you're feeling these insecurities and when you're feeling like, oh, no, nothing's actually ch- I'm just busier, have a lack of tools, but maybe a bit more money. Like what's what was going through your head? Like, how are you how are you navigating everything? How are you feeling? Well, it's, yes, I think you're right. Like, I think <clears throat> the difference for me or for us being sort of 26, 27 at that point when that kind of all started to happen, maybe even, I might have even been 28 when it um, how deep is your love came out. I can't remember, but there was six years of constant up and downs and knockbacks and failed situations. Um during a time where all of my friends and stuff was kind of like elevating through life. So when I say elevating through life, I mean like the standard things like they were starting to get married, they were starting to get promoted in, in their jobs. They were, you know what I mean? And I kind of was affected, I think. My 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 insecurities were built from not being able to go on, you know, holidays with my friends or not being able to go to stag do's and you know the 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 main insecurities are 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 coming from the constant knockbacks so you're questioning oh actually am I good enough but but I kept working towards that goal so when I actually got to that point obviously I was flabbergasted I actually managed to manage to make it work and have that moment with how deep is your love and stuff but in your head when you're building up all these insecurities you feel like it's fine because when you get there they'll go and then when you get there they don't go. And to be honest, it wasn't that it was magnified. It was just I became aware of that for the first time. I became aware of the of the fact, oh, actually, all of this stuff that I'm chasing is not going to make me feel happy. It's not going to fix everything inside of me. And, you know, it's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. You know, that period of time was amazing. Like we were out in LA doing writing sessions and we were the new kids on the block. So there was a lot of amazing things happening, but I just, I became very aware of that. And I think that's when I got drawn back into sort of like meditation. I just kind of got attracted to it a lot. So like the month after How Deep Is Your Love sort of promo run finished, we performed on like Jimmy Fallon on American TV. And that was like the sort of like the last kind of thing. And yeah, then we had Christmas. And then in January, we went to LA to, to write more music and it was then where yeah I just started to get drawn into into meditation and I can't really I don't know exactly why because it wasn't obvious to me but obviously I was becoming aware of these things about what happiness is and what it isn't but it wasn't a conscious decision like oh I'm going to start meditating now and you know this is going to be the answer to it all I just got, started to get drawn to it so that that was the beginning of that. Yeah, well, so it's kind of a spoiler for for everybody else out there because I know what's coming. But how, so I don't give the story away too much. When, that must have been January 2016 when you were here, like, back in LA writing. And we will get into it, but I'm just, spoiler, when did the accident happen? So that that was a little bit later on, actually. I think that was, well, that was the year afterwards. So... Do you think your like future self was preparing you for everything that was coming? <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know. There was it was, I guess from that point it was uh, it started to get crazy. But um, 
yeah, may, maybe my future self was was preparing me. He didn't he didn't do very well, but oh no, <laughs> oh no. Well, let's let's keep going on the journey. We'll just keep it linear um, and on the timeline. So, twenty sixteen is a massive, massive year. It starts on a high. Yeah. How how did it progress and how did it end? So, twenty sixteen. So this is now. So after how deep we kind of spent the year, we've been writing. We've had a few tracks out to start to build our brand. Did a track with David Guetta had our own track out that was doing well. So we were kind of like still riding this wave of how deep is your love and disciples, they don't know the building of it. 2016 hits now. And now we've got what's going to be our next commercial, our, 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 arguably our biggest single, apart from how deep is your love. Um, ready. So now we're starting the year. We've kind of, I think we went to LA again to finish it. And we came back and we're already getting geared up to sort of release it for summer, booking in all of our Ibiza residencies and stuff like that. And uh, I think we might have actually just released it, but it took a while for it to build. And um, yeah, my my girlfriend at the time got into a car accident. Um, she she flipped her car over. Um, yeah, she flipped her car over. And got trapped in the car. This it was March, maybe April times. Um, she's trapped in the car, like just like, off a country road, like in in a ditch. She managed to find she manages to find her phone, and um, and call me. And I kind of happened to be half a mile down the road, and she happens to remember the name of this long winding country road that she's on. Um, and yeah, so luckily I I sort of like sped my car down there in kind of disbelief because she's screaming down the phone saying oh, I've jacked in the car I don't really know what's going on at this point and as I'm driving down the the country road <clears throat> it's like dark and it's raining <laughs> just to set the scene but yeah and as I'm driving down there's no lights but there's, I can see a flicker of light in in the distance and I thought to myself it can't be that but it actually was that. That was her car in the ditch on fire. So I've got there now. Um, and the car's, yes, just it's literally flipped over down a sort of hill. And the, the engine, like the, the engine's on fire. So it's now like a matter of time until obviously the car's going to blow up. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I was obviously just like frantically trying to open up the, the doors. Everything was sort of. Everything was um that there was no way to get into the car because it was sort of dented. Um so I was trying to find logs to smash the window and nothing was working at this point. The flames are getting bigger. Um and I thought to myself, do I run back to the car and try and find like something to smash the window? But in my mind, I I knew I knew by the time I'd got there, maybe had found something, maybe not, the car might have just blown up. So in my mind, I just made a decision just to kind of jump on the car. And the only way to try and get through it was to just, I just started punching the windscreen because there was no other option. Um, so yeah, I just started hammering the, 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 the windscreen and it got to a point where all my knuckles were out and my sort of my ligaments were all torn. I couldn't, couldn't hold a, couldn't hold my fist anymore. Um, and at that point, it's like the flames were getting bigger now, and I kind of accepted that 
we're probably, you know, it's potentially we're going to die here together, but I'm not going to, if we're going to, if, if that's going to happen, I'm going to die here as well. As kind of crazy as that sounds. And, but at that point, my, it's, it is kind of weird, like, but like my brain sort of like locked in, in a way. And I started punching with my left hand, which is pretty weak. Like I don't really go to the gym and stuff like that. But something happened. It's like everything else around just sort of like completely blocked off. And I just like focused on the moment. It's like the fear went, the everything else just went. Uh, it's, it's very hard to explain. And then I managed to, with my left hand, smash through the windscreen, pull the windscreen off, and then pull her out. And then we rolled down the hill. And literally, it sounds like I'm making up. We, we rolled down the hill, and just as we were far enough away from the car, the car just blew up like 10 feet into the air. How long has it taken you to be able to talk about that? Like, you've just told it so perfectly, beautifully, all the facts. You've told it without the emotion, but, like, how, how long did that take before you could tell that story, how you've just been able to tell it? Um... <sighs> I don't know. It, it's it's kind of weird because it was such an intense situation. But I, once I came out of the other side, it's like I'd got through it in a way. I didn't know the sort of trauma that was that was that was sort of left within me from that. But so when it had happened, I went to I had to go into surgery and like get my hands restructured. So. I was out of the game for, I don't know, like five months. I like, couldn't do anything. I had both of my hands in plaster at home. But I wasn't, I, I was okay to talk about it then because I kind of felt like it was, oh, that just happened kind of thing. It's like, I don't know, it's really weird. Maybe I suppressed the emotion. It was later on down the line where that emotion came out that it probably started to become harder to talk about it. So it was easier at first. And then it, then you know, once the the next stage of the story happened, or we always sort of yeah moved towards that. Then I guess the emotion and trauma of a lot of things came up, and that then yeah, it it, it took a while to to be able to talk about it. Then uncorking, <laughs> I understand. Um, just for anyone listening at home, Gavin, you and your girlfriend are not together anymore, but you're both well and have made a full recovery. Yes, yes, we are. We're, we're not together anymore. We're, we're... Happy, happy ending there. Ha- happy and happy. Yeah, <laughs> um... you both. Happy is a happy ending. <laughs> but the thing that a lot of people listening are interested in, because they've sort of gravitated to me, and I'm always talking about my trauma and my trauma my trauma I didn't used to but now like since it uncorked and I've been healing everything and feeling everything it's made me realize um how much the achieving the goals especially a big goal distracts you from dealing with anything in your real in your real life yes yes if you can just hold on get to the get to the big goal, everything will be okay. And then there's always another big goal because you can't rest. It's like addicted to stress or addicted to trauma or all of the things. So you're a pretty chill person these days though. So you've obviously figured figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, mm. no. like both of us know a ton of people who are uh, a hot mess. You are not a hot mess. 
you are someone who does do the Iceman thing, who who is about to live his dreams again. By the time this podcast comes out, you should have your release slated. I, little birdies told me that it's slated for November. But yeah, you're about to live your dream again. And I feel like this particular dream, half wellness, half music, or more music to wellness, but combining the two, you've done it again, Gavin. You've hit another big goal. But your record with Calvin is, is completely aligned. That's not out of alignment at all. But maybe it's not as aligned as with who you're who you are in this transition. Yeah, I guess you so yes, I'm I've got a, a music project with Wim Hof, which you know all all about because you were the, again one of the first people to kind of believe in it and support it, um, which was very, very helpful. <clears throat> when I first started putting it together, um, I'll, I'll, I'll skim through it a little bit. So after after the the crash happened, then it's quite it's kind of funny because as I was in that stage of probably suppressing the trauma and not really what wasn't really you know scared to talk about, it, I didn't really feel any emotion from it. That was when um, on my mind came out. I literally was at home with my hand in the casts and that was when we hit number one on iTunes. And I remember sitting there just thinking, this is the weirdest thing ever. Like I've just gone through this thing literally within the space of like three days, all of a sudden, you know, for the first time, our, a single that's just Disciples is is hit, hitting um, number one in the iTunes charts. And it kind of just shows that life takes away something and then gives you gives you something else. It's all... It's, it's all ups and downs. So yeah, obviously, then I sort of healed my hands, rode that wave for another for another year, and it was then where I kind of hit a little bit of a, I don't know, like it was the first time I'd kind of experienced like overwhelming anxiety and depression. That was kind of it was triggered by by a breakup, really, but it was um, not so much because of the breakup. It's like what had happened at that point is that all of my insecurities and and traumas kind of all were brought to the surface. It was the it was and I kind of was forced to face it because it, it was like you know, it was kind of unbearable. I was got really lost, didn't really know who I was at that point. And that was when I, I started really getting into this part of the journey about healing trauma and the deeper side of meditation. Luckily my dad's really into by spirituality and meditation. So he kind of, we kind of reconnected at that point, actually. And he was just like, come to my house. Not like, not a crash course, but he was just like, taught me loads about the sort of levels of meditation and spirituality. And then we went on a little bit of a journey together, finding out about the science side of it. You know, like Joe Dispenza and those types of things. So we, we kind of researched it, researched it together. And then I came across Wim. Uh, and it was really his techniques and stuff that really helped get me out of that that phase of my life with the ice, the breathing, and yeah, and it's just, it really helped me. And I learned so much. I was learning so much about so many different avenues of all of these types of healing. That was just the one that worked for me. It's not to say that that's the only one that will work for for someone else, but because of that, I I went to go and train with him. Um, where he lives just outside of Amsterdam. Then I met him there and had some 
pretty intense experiences through doing the the techniques with him where you know you're really going into a DNA and healing parts of your trauma from your from your childhood but you know it goes deeper than that it goes to your to your parents to your grandparents to your ancestors like he takes you so deep into your DNA that you can access those parts and even sometimes envision those traumas that are held within your DNA to then sort of like let them go um, and it blew my mind that these types of things were possible so because of that when I came back from training with him I just had this thing I was like I have to work with him in a way I don't know how initially I, I, I wanted to I was going to do a documentary with like music industry people who are maybe going through similar things as me and you know maybe go and climb a mountain or something and do it with advice or something like that nothing stuck and then one day I was met one day during lockdown I was meditating before bed <laughs> and it's like all of the the sort of rubbish in my head went away and it was just like why are you not you do music why would you not think about doing music with him because he's into music and I had started to get into the idea of music being healing and and the sort of like where where does that healing part lie and sort of researching into that so I hit him and his son up. His son Anam plays the hangpan, and he's also his manager. And the hangpan is like a meditative sort of a drum, with an idea of like, oh, how about we do some music together? Like, would you like to start a project? And I sent that email at midnight. I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning with an email from Wim Hof and his son saying, "We love it. We're ready to go." I had no idea what I was going to do <laughs> at that point, but. That just yeah, it was just it just sort of sort of aligned quite quickly, and yeah, the the journey has been over the, over a, a few years of finding out, you know, what the direction of it is, what the sort of how we want to put it across. You know, I've travelled a lot, abseiled down canyons in North Spain. I've travelled and recorded podcasts with Wim and met them. I've done a lot of things with him. And his family over the past few years, and it's nice to get to a point now where we can actually start to open up to the, you know, open up to the public and actually get get a track out. I mean, there's so much gold in everything you've said since the moment we started talking. The sacrifice, it's uh, what you painted about your journey in the music industry was really a path that you were following that really just got lonelier and lonelier as you saw all of your like childhood and teenage friends like veer veer off and you continue to make sacrifices towards these goals and just and it's not even just as you got there because definitely again like something Gavin you and I've 100% seen time and time again is is people who are on the cusp or on the cusp of the cusp and it drops off the way they just like when you're surfing they just fail to it's not even fail it's just the wave the wave doesn't complete and you're off the board and you're waiting f for the next one but everything in those moments when you're on the cusp of the wave feels like this is about to be the wave of your life and you're going to ride it all the way to shore and actually for you you did. You got all the way to shore. And just as you land safely, you have this traumatic experience that leaves both of your hands essential when you're a producer and a DJ, essential for life full, full stop. Like you're, you need your hands. And 
life becomes a challenge when you don't. Life becomes something that you have to navigate or when you've had hands, it's like losing any of your senses. So you go through this sacrifice, the lonely path. You get all of this awareness as you hit and then you have this traumatic experience and then you open up again. There's incredible parts. But the fact that you even found good in lockdown when most people are struggling to make sense of all of that chaos and you're sitting there getting your head so still and so quiet that you can hear what your next it's not even a goal though it's purpose it's crazy it is for everybody else because we're messy as humans but you're making sense of a ton of a ton of mess yeah i yeah i was making sense i was probably um a, i was probably still a mess but i was <laughs> i was finding a way to 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 make sense of it i think because that during that period of time as as horrible as it was for the world I did find some sort of stillness in it that I actually actually enjoyed. Why do you think that was? Because I'm with you. Like I would obviously never wish another lockdown and a pandemic on on the planet or anyone in particular. I would never wish that again because it was a really hard time for everybody. But for me personally, it was the tonic that I needed. All of that stillness, everyone like all the jibber jabber stopping, and just like being with being with myself, being with my husband, you know, like being, just being still and everybody else being still. I could process so much, frankly, of my own trauma. I mean, that was a really, I think that for me, 2020 was a really tough year. It would have been a hard year if we were open anyway, just lost my dad, quit my job, all of those things. And I would have ended up back in the music industry if 2020 didn't look the way it looked and for me it was such a blessing and I know that other people say that too still like I said we wouldn't wish it again on on the world but it was incredible it was I know I feel I feel bad saying it yeah I don't think I could have processed the grief of like losing my dad if it hadn't been as quiet and chill as that you know yeah it's it's it was a crazy time where I think uh, within the madness that happened, there was it kind of allowed allowed a lot of people to find and access that way to heal in a way. I think that was kind of the beginning of, of a wave of wellness as well, in a way, like a lot of people started to get into meditation. A lot of people started to get interested in breath work and stuff like that which is obviously a way to access that sort of level of healing. I found it quite a calming time in in during that lockdown. Yeah, 100%. Well, I should imagine you have to travel all the time, like you're always somewhat living within, like living within a suitcase when you're at your height of wellness, like when your hands aren't in casts or when there isn't a lockdown, you're on the road, right? Like to some degree. Yeah. The majority of the time, I think up until just before lockdown, we were, I wouldn't say constantly on tour, but we would go through periods of time where it was just manic. We're just, you know, like summertime is always crazy. We're in Ibiza, then we're in Malta, then we're in God knows where else. So and although I'm thankful that I'm able to have, I have the opportunity to do those things, 
it can create a bit of chaos in my head. Like being the person that I am, I do enjoy being in one place for a period of time. Um, so that was like the most intensified version of that, like being in the world stopped. And also, yeah, like the fact that we didn't know what was coming next, as horrible as that was, it kind of gave me a little, it's kind of weird, but it gave me a little bit of peace. I kind of thought, okay, well, we don't know, but but what the hell do we know, you know? Yeah. All I know at this point in time is that we're not going back on tour. We don't know when clubs or Ibiza or festivals are going to open again, if they ever will. There was one point where people were questioning questioning whether that's ever going to happen again. It, it was it was a crazy time, and I think maybe that was why I was able to sort of like focus my attention to to find that sort of that whim hustle, like the the healing link up with music. So tell everyone about your record that's coming and how you like what you what you see happening in the music industry and like the crosses of wellness and music or maybe you don't at all maybe this is just a gift to the world and I'm putting words into your mouth <laughs> <laughs> no definitely I feel that I feel what this sort of project always represented was sort of finding music that opens your mind to to healing because to me great music does heal Great music is meditation, but you just don't always think of it in that way. You know, I, I, I always think, and especially now I look back on a lot of tracks that become worldwide hits is because it calms you in a certain way. Like you could probably scientifically look at what the sort of like balance of dopamine and stuff or whatever else is happening in your body when, when you listen to it. And I think that's why it becomes infectious. And I feel like now it's starting to move like one step further where it's like, you know, we can really merge those two together. And I think that is starting to happen now where merging the meditative vibes or frequencies or whether it's whether it's Wim Hof's vocal or whether it's a certain type of chord or whether it's a certain type of drum that sort of brings you to that place with music that can maybe still be played in a nightclub or still potentially, I don't know, Get on, get on Radio One and stuff like that. I feel like that's a wave that that's coming. That's that's what it feels like to me. Wellness music. I might be wrong, and it, this might just be. No, no, I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, I think that binaural beats are already very mainstream, but they're not very fun to dance to. So <laughs> finding that track that can live in both arenas is the next thing and hopefully we're already there with your record but I don't know too much what it's like in the UK anymore but I definitely see a lot of my British friends going to somewhat like half wellness festivals and obviously Glastonbury's always had an element you know with their Greenpeace feels they've always had an element of like healing but it's not the main reason that you go there. I think it's like something you do on a Saturday afternoon when you're feeling a little bit jaded from the two nights before. For sure. But over here, there's a lot of sober festivals now um, and a lot of festivals that use frequency, um, sound bowls, just raving sober to bring people's energy up. Do you think that that will become more mainstream? Yeah, I think it will. 
It's, it's funny because I know that it's a lot bigger in America and probably more specifically like that side of America where you are, like California and stuff like that. Yeah, the West Coast. Yeah, and it's not so much reached over here yet, the sort of like, the pro- I mean, it is definitely present here, but it's not as at the forefront. What may happen here is that it will start to merge. So, I mean, you've got Glastonbury, and as you said, that you people go and party all night, all night long, and then maybe on the Sunday they'll go to a sound bowl session. And I think it will probably be more that sort of balance where it, it might be more focused towards the wellness, but there'll still be an element of partying to it. And then and, and mixing it together, <laughs> mixing it together. So if you want to go and party and have some beers and, and whatever, that can still you can still go and and experience this type of music because it's club music. But then you've got the other side of it where it's, you know, maybe properly, you know, meditation ceremonies and sound baths and stuff like that. So I think that merging together is probably what's going to, the, the next wave is what it feels like is happening over here. And can the listeners out there hope to hear that one day you're you're going to have your own festival i know that this is something that maybe we've spoken about before but is this is this still something that you you think about as a distant <laughs> goal because as we've as we've established in this podcast episode you are someone that has a goal and very casually manages to overachieve when they get there so c- can can you can you be bringing us a wellness festival sometime soon where we can have beers <laughs> and, and like heal our energy <laughs> yeah I would I, I hope so yeah I mean it's funny because you were the one who who opened my mind up to that that that, that sort of direction because I can get quite quite enclosed in um you know when I'm thinking about music and, and putting these these kind of projects or, or any kind of music project, project together I I really concentrate on the music and don't I kind of miss how it can maybe open up into certain worlds and things like that. So you were the you were the one who sort of opened up that that door. But yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about a lot of different things now with the brand that we're starting with Wim Hof. I, I say me and Wim Hof. There's a lot of people in, involved in it, but essentially that's kind of what we're starting um, with. So that may well branch into what I'm talking of what, what I'm talking about with this uh, potential festival. Um, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of that next year. Gavin, today has been so beautiful. I want to have you back on again to talk about DNA and healing. And as your journey with um, whim and wellness music and frequency music progresses, I hope that you'll come back and share your discoveries with us. I couldn't think of anyone I'd rather talk to. And also, this is so my jam. Like, this is just amazing. Like, give me all all the goodness and let's share it with everyone who's listening. Um, so basically, I'm locking you in. Please come back. You don't really have a choice, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would love to. I would love to. We, ha- we have, a, a, you know, we've, we've had a lot of like, golden conversations like this in the past, you know, over the last year, well, maybe more last year. So it's wonderful to kind of, be here and sort of actually speak about have this conversation properly and actually speak about um you know the project actually coming to life and i would love to come back yay
So by the time this podcast comes out, the record um is it still called Heal the Trauma? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's called um it's called Transmission now. Transmission is basically like a level of like meditation, I guess, that you get to where you can access healing that allows you to do a lot of things, but one of the main things it does to allow you to do, which is, I mean, these are Wim Hof's findings, not not of my own, although I have experienced them, is to get into your DNA and and heal heal trauma. Um, and this is accessible through everything, including music. And I think that's kind of the next wave of things, like music being able to help you access that level of healing. Uh, and the track is called Love. And... Um, yeah, it's coming out on it's coming out on the Patrick Topping's label Trick. Oh, wonderful Patrick. Patrick is Patrick is amazing. Um uh and again, I know that you guys you guys are close. You guys actually put me put me in contact with him like a, a while ago because you knew that he was in some similar things. So again, it's beautiful that that's come to fruition. Um I love working with Patrick. It's been it's been great. So yeah, I'm excited to well, it will be it will be out by the time this is this is out, right? So So everyone go follow Gavin, follow Wim, follow Patrick, get involved with Trick, but most importantly, please give yourself the opportunity to get into your DNA, to receive that transmission, listen to the track on repeat, download, save, like, all of the things. And yeah, heal heal the trauma, heal the DNA. The more we clear out this stuff that's blocking us, the quicker we can get to our purpose and, you know, achieve half, just half of what Gavin's achieved, I'll be down for. <laughs> <laughs> Daisy, thanks so much for having me. Honestly, it's been a dream. Oh, anytime. Anytime. I feel like, you know, Thanks to all the listeners for being on a journey with Gavin and I as we tie up with a bow. Some of these, like, I didn't even realise we had all so many, not loose ends, but so many ways our stories are interweaved. And I feel incredibly humbled to be here today with a podcast that I've started and you being a guest on, but also hearing where your journey is going to next and the small ways that I've played a part in helping you. I'm going to make myself cry. It's really incredible, <laughs> Gavin, to have you here and to be on your life journey with you. Thank you so much. I'm going to go before I cry. <laughs> Thanks to everyone else who's listening. <laughs> Gavin will be back soon. <laughs> I will definitely be back soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that this episode has left you feeling inspired and a little bit more seen. Your life, after all, is a mixtape. And once you learn to play the tracks you want to hear and adjust that volume, you will have the soundtrack of your dreams. To stay connected and continue exploring the mixtape together, you can follow me on Instagram at spiritualmixtape. But also, if you have any thoughts for me, any questions or any ideas that you want to share, 
I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at hello at spiritualmixtape.com. So until then, my friends, let your inner anthem guide your path.